Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name's Alex Brownsell and I'm the head of content for Walk Media. Today we're going to be talking about the health of the global advertising market. To say it's been a, a bumpy 12 months or so in the advertising economy would be a bit of an understatement. Some have, have argued that the current ad market downturn is is the worst since the 2008 financial crisis. Even the likes of Alphabet and Meta, which have been mostly immune to market turbulence over the last decade or so, have found themselves caught up in the maelstrom. The good news is that Walk's brand new ad spend forecast published today suggests a more positive outlook for investment. However, that return to growth will be uneven across channels and platforms. It's it's a complex picture to say the least. Thankfully, I couldn't have two more qualified guests to help us sift through the evidence. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by James McDonald, Walk's Director of Data, Intelligence and Forecasting and the author of the aforementioned new forecast. And Kate Scott Dawkins, Global President of Group M's Business Intelligence Unit. Welcome both to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. I've, I've sort of set the scene a little bit there, um, but obviously I should check that, that you both kind of agree with my with my sort of prognosis. It does feel like it's been a sort of tough nine to 12 months or so for the global ad business. How would you describe the kind of current mood of the market? James, do you want to get us started? Exhaustion, perhaps? <laughs> I mean, um, I was speaking to a, a planner at a prominent agency um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and she described the, the last few years really is as a situation of enduring perma crisis lurching from covid to political turmoil to war in europe and and now economic hardship with high inflation it's just the the headwinds um for market prosperity have at times seemed relentless you know and speaking globally obviously the 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 main factor uh, weighing down on a lot of markets is inflation, which is, as we know, a double whammy for our market. It impacts consumers um, and it impacts media buyers um, and money just simply isn't going as far as it used to. That's putting a strain on budgets, which in turn is hitting margins. So it's been a bit of a bitter cocktail, um, but I do feel that there are reasons to be cheerful um, just on the horizon. Um, and hopefully Kate concurs from her view um, on the other side of the pond. Yeah, I think you know, last year and, and this year are both a story of two halves in a way. So we had a really strong uh, first start into 2022, um, round about the you know start of the third quarter, it started to get tough. And I think we saw really the the trough through about Q4 of 2022 and into Q1 of, of 2023. And now things feel broadly like they've been accelerating, you know, into to Q2, the earnings season we just had. Um, and are looking, I think, even more positive for 2023. Again, not the story for all all those um, interested parties, right? I think the digital story is still a lot stronger uh, globally than the linear television story, especially. Um, and so there's still some narrative disconnect between, I think, media sellers that are still saying it's it's tough. You know, Q3 is going to be even harder. Um, versus, you know, someone like a, a meta where the guidance for, for Q3 is even stronger. The low end is still sort of mid-teens growth, which for as big as that company is, I think points to um, pretty good resilience into the third quarter and the end of the year. If we are um, sort of coming out and we'll, we'll get into the sort of the picture that the forecast for, for, for the rest of this year and next year, but if we have sort of perhaps bottomed out in, in terms of this trough, 
how typical is is what we've just seen in terms of a, you know a real sort of dip in in Q4 22 Q1 23 was that a typical cycle within 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 a market or or was th- was this something different that we saw personally i think there were some short term shocks to the sector which which impacted social media particularly the introduction of apple's att privacy uh, we know had a hit um and these companies also rely rather heavily on What's often referred to as a uh, referred to as a long tail of small and medium sized businesses. Um, these are exactly the kind of companies that are going to be vulnerable to um, tightening margins um, as a result of inflation. So, if that advertising base not wholly dries up but starts to get weaker, then these companies are potentially vulnerable to that weakness. I think the second half of this year, um, social companies in particular are going to be uh, benefiting from favorable comparables to the downturn in the second half of last year. But Kate's absolutely right, um, mid to, low to mid-team growth for, for companies, you know, the size of Meta, um, 146 billion and counting, you know, is, is, is really phenomenal. Um, so there was potentially a feeling that some of these companies may have overstretched, um, and that certainly perhaps came through in the layoffs that we saw in the sector, but equally the growth is still there, the appetite is still there from advertisers. Um, and the outlook is, is, is positive for these companies. Um, I will caveat that by saying that when I'm talking about these companies, I mean um, predominantly um, Meta and Alphabet. The, the picture is very different in China at the moment. Um, the, the operating, the trading conditions are, are uh, more testing. Um, a lot of the, the larger players, particularly Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent, have seen slowing growth, um, in some cases declining. There's a lot of disruption in that market as well. Um, so there's a bit of a different story happening there. Yeah, but generally for, for the likes of Facebook, uh, I think they've, they've weathered the storm and they can continue to lead growth um, in, in certainly the social sector. When I was mentioned inflation, I actually think a, a probably bigger impact uh, within the advertising world could be laid at the, the really extreme hike in interest rates. Uh, if we think about where that trough happened um, and the timing of that and it's coinciding with the the rapid increase of interest rates across markets like the US and the UK and, and globally, really. Um, one of the, James mentioned the long tail, absolutely another group of advertisers that had been uh, driving a lot of growth really above and beyond GDP in the advertising industry, had been uh, some venture-funded companies, crypto, some of these companies that were spending very heavily on advertising as a percent of revenues. And they could do that because for years, we had interest rates that were well below and and very stable at a very low rate. Um, The cost of capital was cheap, and they were investing a lot of that in growing users and growing revenue. Um, And I think that was also a big, you know, coinciding factor in terms of that that trough and that duration uh, of interest rates increasing. And um, what we saw from more established large brands is that uh, advertising continued through that period, right? The luxury had a great period through 2022. CPG was seeing increasing uh, advertising spends alongside inflation, driving higher revenues and driving higher advertising. But uh, that segment of companies relying on low interest rates, I think, was a, a big reason as well for for some of that language and narrative around pullback and softness um, that would have hit those companies that, that James was mentioning as well. How did the performance of of the ad market over that period compare with with the economy generally? For instance, in North America, I mean, did did the ad ad market suffer more perhaps than, than the, the the rest of the economy, or was it a proportionate sort of performance? Do you think? 
Um, I mean, I think it's it's followed roughly the the path of you know first the the downturn during COVID and then a, a recovery. Although um, in that sense, the recovery of the ad market was <laughs> well above the growth that we saw uh, in sort of the general economy in 2021. We're talking in nearly 25 percent growth for quite a mature industry in 2021. So um, some of the the whiplash effect from that too, I think is, is what fed into to 2022 and um, not just difficult comparables, but um, even government spending on uh, public health notices and PSAs and, and that came back out of uh, some of the industry in 2022 as well. So you can point to a, a lot of factors that have been sort of wending their way through the system over the last couple of years. Okay, so that's it. You're right with those market-specific dynamics, you know, those kind of short-term factors that uh, impacted the ad market. But speaking more broadly about the market's relationship with GDP, certainly in the UK, that relationship is still apparent. Um, a regression will show a relationship of 0.7, you know, where one is perfect. So we still, Kate and I are still searching for one in our models and maybe one day we'll find it. But 0.7 is still certainly a strong basis for predicting um, market direction of travel. Um, and yeah, we have seen a, a huge slowdown in, in, in the UK, very sluggish growth, um, yet to top our, our pre-COVID um, levels, you know, in terms of economic output. Um, and those pressures are being experienced within advertising trade, certainly. So as we move forward and before we get into specific numbers, are there any particular reasons that you're seeing? I mean, you've, you've, we've talked through a couple of them already, but if you, you maybe could kind of re-emphasize what, why we seem to be moving now into a new phase where we, we hopefully will see the market returning to, to growth. Um, what, what, what are the dynamics that are leading that change? I think a lot of this year is kind of like a, 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 norm, a normalization, getting back, to, getting back to the mean, really. Um, Kate, put it very nicely by by describing what we've been through as a bit of a whiplash effect from the recovery of COVID. Um, and I think we're coming back to that mean um, now, which is welcome, certainly. Um, the second half of the year does have uh, favourable comparables for a lot of the online companies, as we've mentioned, but that doesn't mask the fact that there's still um, resilient growth within those platforms. Next year is a whole different kettle of fish because there's a lot of short-term impacts that will will boost, um, boost the market from sporting events to uh, the US elections, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. So um, generally, more trading opportunities, better trading environment, um, perhaps the worst days, a sense that the worst days are now behind us. Yeah, I think within individual categories as well. It's interesting. I mean, we've talked about sort of the recovery of auto for a little while now, but it does sound like that's um, coming back on a number of markets, UK, Germany, US as well, uh, where they tend to be, you know, uh, significant advertisers in, in a market. And so inventory uh, coming back onto lots, um, you know, chip shortages starting to diminish. We've heard that, you know, across auto, also across some CPG categories and other product categories. So I think that's helping again to to boost some of the optimism for the back half of this year. And then it really depends market by market. There are some interesting dynamics that we see. So James spoke about some of the current challenges in in China and domestic demand there, certainly. Um, What we're seeing is almost a reverse correlation where uh, domestic demand soft in China, we're getting a lot of Chinese advertisers seeking growth in international markets. So a lot of uh, Chinese advertising money going abroad, targeting international audiences. Um, and I think that's going to help boost uh, you know, ad growth in those other markets, including the US, 
uh, was mentioned, um, you know, certainly by uh, Mark Zuckerberg and, and Meta's earnings. I think we've seen really strong growth numbers the start of this year out of Amazon and Walmart, places that have those uh, third-party marketplaces uh, that are probably also seeing some of that as a benefit from e-commerce. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see that dynamic play out across international markets through the back half of the year. Okay, well, let's let's get into the numbers then. Um, James, you've you've just uh, released a new forecast uh, from Walk, a new global advertising investment forecast, and I think some of the numbers are going to draw a lot of attention. Could you take our listeners through some of the the highlights, the headlines? For this uh, release, we've kind of done something a bit different. We've almost literally flipped our thinking um, without wishing to bore listeners to death, walking through our methodology. Um, typically, when Walk forecasts a market, we work from the bottom up. So we have partners in 100 countries worldwide, and we um, work with these partners to uh, collect in advertising investment data. And then we build up the picture from the ground up to get to the global level. This time we've done it a bit um, differently because while that approach is solid, it accounts, um, it's beholden to the coverage of the partner within a given market. So for example, if a partner is not covering um, all corners of the internet um, in a certain market, then that will come through in the the global aggregation that we produce. So this time we've done things a bit differently and we've worked top down. So what I mean by that is we started at a global level um, by monitoring um, company financial reporting um, and then building down from the top um, to get our trends and our total. Where typically we had measured the market from the bottom up at around 800, um, $850 billion, um, a top-down approach would suggest that the global ad market is going to be worth $1 trillion next year for the first time. And more interestingly within that... That's a big number. It's, it's a big number. It's very difficult not to say it in the style of Dr. Evil as well. Um, we, we've looked very carefully at about 40 different media owners who between them account for 75% of that total. So they are a very good bellwether as a cluster um, to, to market health and also total market value. Um, indeed, the top five companies, it won't surprise anybody listening, um, are Alphabet, Meta, um, ByteDance, Amazon, and Alibaba. These five companies account for over half of that $1 trillion. So there's a consolidation at the top, and that's going to continue over the forecast period as well. Um, So these are really two of the key findings. Um, More broadly, uh, we think the market will grow by just over 4% this year, accelerating to closer to 8% next year. Um, But that 8% is heavily inflated by um, uh, the short-term events that we mentioned earlier. So the US presidential elections is obviously a big factor in that in the fourth quarter next year. Um, as well as the Olympics, which is good for for broadcast media um, and um, uh, the Men's Euros tournament um, next summer as well. It would some really interesting numbers there. The, the, the growth percentages sound pretty optimistic. Um, uh, obviously, the totals sound huge. The concentration of the market at the top um, of of the market is 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 remarkable. Um, Kate, how how do those trends broadly sound in terms of what you're seeing in in the market as well? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I think we tend to, uh, in most all of our analyses, strip out U.S. political advertising because it is so skewing. <laughs> you get to a much uh, flatter sort of trajectory in the U.S. stripping that out. Um, you know, that's going to be another record year uh, for political advertising in the U.S. We're already tracking well ahead of the 2020 uh, cycle, which was the last presidential election. And so we're talking, you know, high teens, probably billions of 
dollars, uh, and so it's a it's it is skewing. Um, we tend to find less of an impact for the major sporting events where that uh, was, may have once been the the case, but now more of an incremental or a, sorry more of a shift between media owners in a given market to the rights holders uh, within a given quarter, um, but more typically within a set annual advertising budget from an advertiser uh, is what we have, have tended to see in our, our analysis. Um, but certainly a, a skewing impact from the quadrennial of the, the elections in the US. In terms of the um, the political advertising side of things, obviously that is, you know, does sound like it has a huge impact. Does it have a huge impact across the market or, or are there specific channels that will benefit disproportionately uh, what i'm saying is do, does it have an impact across the forecasts or or, or or in different places yeah it's a, a great question i mean it tends still to impact uh channels like local tv most heavily um where you know people can target individual candidates races issues um we're seeing you know certainly an increase in digital um, recently and more of a push into CTV really, especially in the last midterm cycle and this cycle. So where advertisers may have been able to mitigate against the inventory crunch in local TV in previous years by shifting budgets to CTV, we're now seeing uh, CTV take more of that political advertising spend as well. So more difficult in some cases to, to mitigate around uh, the the inventory crunch from political advertising, but heavily local focused still, um, although increasing uh, digital revenue there as well. And then direct mail it was something we don't talk about, I think, very much in these big global um, global formats or issues. But direct mail continues to be a big um, recipient of that as well. We should talk about direct mail more often. Um, the podcast can be series, very perhaps. effective. I think you know, like we, we were, I think we were surprised it wasn't used more during covid given that everyone was at home i think there have been some effective uses but not something again that we uh tend to talk about too regularly it's a very good point i'd like to just come back to the the point you were making around sports major sports events don't seem to be having kind of the impact on the overall market maybe as they used to just interested if you think there's a chance that this will be the first uh, olympic games I, I believe for kind of six eight maybe even ten years that has been in a more favorable time zone for the US, I think a bunch of them have been in, in Asian markets, making the whole thing a little bit more difficult in terms of live viewing. Just wondered if there's any sense that, that Paris 24 could be bigger than, than the last couple of games, potentially. It's interesting. I mean, it's also, though, coming on the heels of your now another 48 years, 12 years into accelerating cord cutting. Um, and so while, you know, that will be streamed as well on NBCU and Peacock, I think that's going to help, uh, viewership certainly. Um, but I do think the, the impact on linear TV and viewership, uh, where sports is already accounting for a much higher percentage of time. So if we look at adults 18 to 49 in 2018, they were spending you know, 15% of their linear national TV time on sports. In 2022, that was up to 21%. It's a big increase in those four years. So sports is already occupying more of that time. Um, but if we look at the percentage moving over to streaming, some of those uh, subscribers and, and you know 
there'll be intricacies around what's ad supported and what's not. Some of those will be premium subscribers without ads. So you have to take all that into account uh, as you're looking at the the total impact on what it's going to see. But I think against the the time zone, certainly the the cord cutting element has to be included in that analysis. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to watch because obviously um, coming up 26, 28, we have the two biggest sporting events in the world, both taking place in the US and in North America more broadly in, in, in the Olympic Games and in the, the football FIFA World Cup, Men's World Cup. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if those dynamics change if as we shift over to streaming, if that might have a bit of an impact on the Admiral. As a, as a former Olympic hopeful, I'm definitely excited to get down to the LA Games and watch some of that. So, No, it'll be, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing, amazing event. Um, I'm personally, I'm, I'm already hoping that England qualify for the uh, 26 World Cup so I can make my way over for the uh, for the football or soccer, should I say. Um, James, we digress. James, can you can you give us a bit of an idea of, of where you're seeing? Because I, I mentioned in my introduction that this the, the, the return to growth is going to be very uneven. Some, there's going to be some channels uh, and platforms that, are, that, that do significantly be- better than others. Where are you seeing, um, you know, particular gains and, and where maybe is that growth uh, a little bit more scant? Um, sure. So we, we've talked earlier about um, a, a return to pretty phenomenal growth for social media. Um, there's an uptick in search spend as well. Search is still um, a very large proportion of the global market, over a fifth. Um, and, and that that growth is is accelerating um, into next year. Um, so those are kind of like the, the the engines of of total growth, if you will. Beyond that, Kate mentioned CTV earlier, and I'd, I'd like to hear more from her about it because I know she's done a lot of research into this area. But CTV is um, is a growing medium. I think the interesting thing about this, and Alex, you've obviously published a recently published an excellent report into this, the, the latest global ad trends report. Um, the interesting thing about CTV is it's drawing from an existing pool of budget. It's not necessarily capturing new budget. It's um, existing premium video budget moving within the same pool. So that growth is coming, but it's kind of not necessarily coming to, well, it's coming at the same time as linear TV is declining. Um, I think one of the barriers to real growth in CTV um, is a lack of um, consistent measurement um, framework. The, the landscape is very fragmented. There are a lot of tech vendors involved. Um, everyone wants a piece of the pie, which is quite understandable at the moment. Um, but as long as that fragmentation remains, it's going to be very difficult to measure effectiveness, and that could be a hindrance to growth. Um, but CTV is definitely one to watch um, for, for the coming years. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think uh, you touched on the fragmentation at the end there. It's been interesting within the, the US specifically, even if we look at some of the larger players, maybe slowing alongside linear or their broadcast owners, you know, as part of that more general dynamic, you still get to growth because there are so many of these players like Vizio, like LG ads that are, uh, you know, Roku, Amazon that are growing uh, still in this scenario. And so um, CPG tends to be, or CPG, CTV, too many acronyms in this industry. Uh, it does tend to be very dynamic um, and uh, yeah, looking at how that's going to work, whether we get to a, a re-aggregation cycle, if you think about TV going through cycles of uh, disaggregation and, and re-aggregation, um, I think we're, we're headed into that next section uh, where it's not going to be the, the old traditional cable distributors, um, probably look a little bit different, but in, in addressing some of those 
uh, concerns around churn and subscription fatigue and where to find something. Uh, I think that's what we're looking up to in the the sort of near to midterm horizon. I think it would also be remiss of us not to mention retail media, um, which is still growing well, low double digits um, around that mark. Um, Walmart, although they don't break it out too often, um, you know, saying that their business is growing by about 30%. So there's good appetite there. Amazon continues to perform very strongly. Um, so, so that market will continue to rise and continue to, to grow in prominence over the forecast period. Is, are we seeing any slowdown at all in, in retail media or is it, is it still absolutely, you know, curving upwards? It's certainly slower. I mean, there's a, a bit of an element of the law, law of large numbers, right, where it had been growing <laughs> triple digits at some point. Um, but I think it is somewhat astounding that you have a player like uh, Amazon still growing in the, the double digits 20%, um, you know, easily in the last, I don't have to get my exact figures, but what James mentioned Walmart. Uh, they just had their second quarter earnings um, looking at, I think the global number was almost 40% even. Um, and so, yeah, it's still growing quite strongly there. Um, I think we see potentially Walmart even rising into the ranks of the top 25 by the end of this year. Potentially it's, it's getting up there. Um, it's going to unseat, you know, the likes of, a. a JC Deco or someone, right? Um, so it's still large. I think they're benefiting by growing their global scaling. That's something that has helped Amazon, particularly in terms of their growth over the last several years. Um, so, you know, Walmart mentioned their uh, Mexico and China contingents. I think that's going to help them continue to see growth uh, over the, the next few years where. Um, you know, retail media is, is already so large in the U.S. and China specifically, where that growth is is slowing. I think um, there's opportunity in, the, in other markets for for growth to pick up. I think interestingly in China as well, um, the incumbent um, is actually the one that is struggling. You know, you, you mentioned that Amazon, um, in spite of the large law of large numbers, is still growing um, very very healthily. Um, that seems to be the opposite of Alibaba. Um, there are upstarts like Pinduoduo who are eating into that share um, and continuing to. Um, so there's a lot of uh, disruption in that market um, and a lot of competition, which is, which is very interesting, but all for, for, um, uh, all for the sake of greater volume and greater trade. I think the, the, the global expansion story is, is there with the Pinduoduo, right? Because Timu is, is their expansion into international markets. Um, very like, anecdote of one service, <laughs> sample size of one, but uh, seeing Timu ads absolutely everywhere um, as they look to expand in the US and I think across Europe as well. So um, in terms of shared, you know, Alibaba had, had uh, made previous efforts with AliExpress, but I think, you know, this year is something a little bit different than we're seeing. This is probably quite a, a tricky question, but um, one of the things we've we've thought about when we've been looking at retail media over the last year or two is the extent to which it kind of creates its own momentum. Because the more money that is available in retail ad, retail media advertising revenue for the likes of Amazon and Walmart and Pinduoduo and or Timu, whoever else it might be, those companies then have an incentive to put more into the market in terms of advertising themselves and you know amazon obviously shot up the, the sort of rankings in terms of its own advertising budget is that having any impact potentially on on the market as well it's a difficult question i, I do apologize I've, i'd rather jump to you with that one but what do you think 
No, I think I think absolutely. Um, I've been looking recently at the you know, list of top 100 advertisers in the US and, and Amazon, as you mentioned, is, is right there at the top. And so certainly across their breadth of, of products, they're, they're looking at um, increasing share and, and customers. And that's something that we've seen across really uh, multiple digital based companies. They've become a much greater share of the top advertisers within the the US particularly and I'd, I'd venture really across multiple markets as well um, but that does uh, absolutely have an impact and in terms of the retail media market I mean we, you've talked about low um, double digit year on year growth I think James and you know we've talked then about how fast Amazon is still growing we're seeing a huge number of different players move into this market the the, the sort of final mile delivery services are really trying to get in there as as well um as there's this sort of gold rush um to try and win retail media dollars do you do you think that that's gonna further accelerate the market because actually there's new opportunities for different types of niches and different target audiences or or that actually there's going to be more competition within that market so therefore we might see slower growth for some of the incumbent players it has to level out at some point right um, although I, I would have thought the same about social media and look at the figures we're seeing today. So, so maybe the sky's the limit. Um, I think there's, it's an interesting question for the industry more broadly about, um, more of a, an increased focus on, on performance, uh, formats as opposed to, um, brand display, um, what the implications are for that, um, around brand equity more broadly. But from what I'm, from what I'm seeing, there's no sign of a slowdown in, in the, short to medium term um it does feel like a gold rush there will be winners and losers within it um there'll be evolution and adaptation um i think proving um the metrics behind it will be the the real uh important point here because if, if you can prove that uh, the committing of these budgets is translating into sales you know that that's that's almost a holy grail for our industry if you can show it end to end so um the company that does that most effectively i think will be in best stead going forward yeah, absolutely. And and the the data assets, right, are going to be important. They're going to be trying to leverage those, not just within their own inventory, but um, as an ability to, uh, you know, tie that to brand investment across video or elsewhere, right? So um, multiple opportunities for for retailers and also hopefully for ad- advertisers in, in terms of um, getting to a, an effective marketing allocation there. So uh, where else in the the advertising uh, economy should we maybe be keeping an eye on over the next 18 months? Are there any other interesting stories for better or for for worse that that we should um, uh, pay attention to? I think, I mean, out of home and especially digital out of home is a a growth story that we've been um, highlighting as well. Uh, We're getting back, I think, even earlier than anticipated to 2019 levels. around the world and it still remains, you know, a, a much smaller percentage of, of most budgets, especially on the um you know global average. But even if we're just looking at large brand advertisers, uh, you know, smaller percentage than TV and digital, which take up, you know, anywhere <laughs> probably eighty to ninety percent from for most uh most large brands. But um as we again kind of talk about the the difficulty in meeting uh reach goals within linear TV, especially other mass media opportunities out of home audio, I think are, are ones that brands will be looking at much more closely. Um, and in terms of effectiveness, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said 
there potentially. So um, digital out of home growing very quickly. It's not just recovery in China. It's much more broad than that around the world. Uh, and some of the technology is going to help that as well. Um, digitization of billboards, uh, programmatic buying options, all of that is going to help propel um, that channel as well going forward. Yeah, we've been seeing that in the UK for some time and, and the out-of-home market has been majority digital um, for, for, for a number of years now. So advertisers are really seeing the benefits of those programmatic buys in that space for sure. Um, I think also one thing I would call out a very, very, very small part of the pie um, in the round, but podcast advertising um, continues to grow. Um, audiences have an affinity for the content they understand the value exchange of advertising within that. Um, I think that's true for a lot of user-generated content as well. So um, I think that bodes well for, for formats that um, advertising formats that lend themselves to, to that type of content too. Those in the advertising industry, I think, feel like are a bit biased. The more, more of us probably <laughs> listen to podcasts than maybe the general public. Uh, definitely this one. I set my watch by it, but um, I'm not, not, can't, speak for it, can't speak for many others. <laughs> It's interesting. We've we've gone more than half an hour of talking about advertising and ad spend, and we haven't mentioned TikTok once. Um, That's not true. James spoke about James said ByteDance was in the top five. Oh gosh, apologies. He did. He did. Well, anyway, let's talk some more, just a tiny bit more about TikTok then. But um, are we are we you know seeing a leveling off there, a sort of growing kind of maturity in terms of that that platform's place in the market? I'd say for TikTok, growth is faster than its Chinese counterpart Douyin, which is kind of really established you know that there is still growth there we believe but it's um it is far more established than, than tiktok which is still not start by comparison it's difficult to be drawn on this stuff because there's there's little to no public information about these companies growth and and as a rule of thumb we, we don't like to speculate it's, it's not in the greater good for the industry at large to, to to have that degree of speculation um but equally you know companies like ByteDance and alibaba are, are, are such big entities in in this equation that you need to make some concession for them. Um, so I think we hear is that ad, short form video is a driving force within social media. Um, TikTok is um, by extension a beneficiary of that, um, and advertisers continue to work with with the format. I, we can't ignore some of the added pressure. I think that's coming from regulators and governments internationally and. Um, you know, it's already banned in India, so there is precedent. Uh, there's certainly talk about an upcoming deadline within the EU around the Digital Services Act and compliance with that. Um, and you know, certainly those of us in the industry have to be paying attention. I think advertisers are paying attention, but also cognizant that um, there's a lot of you know audience use and time spent on that platform, and they're going to to take advantage of it while that makes sense, and and they'll be watching what happens in uh, Parliament and, and Congress and all the rest of it while that stuff wends its way through. I think that's very true. Um, we, we talked at the start about um, the whiplash that the market has experienced over the last year or two. I think it'd be pretty naive to assume that that, that we're past all of that and that we're going to sort of hit some very gentle, gentle calm waters um, because the, the last few years um, that hasn't really happened, has it? Um, so we, we, we prepare ourselves for what's to come. Thank you, Kate and James. You can read all about the latest global ad spend forecast on The Walk website. And that's all for this episode of The Walk podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Until next time, thanks for listening.